0: This is Career Competitor, and it is the podcast that believes we all have a competitive self that drives our optimal performance in our careers and within our lives. My name is Steve Meller, and in the past 15 years, having been a coach to high performers, Olympians, business owners, executives across all walks of life, I have come to find that competitiveness comes from within and I'm going to be using this podcast to really showcase how competitors from all walks of life are finding optimal performance and have built the careers that they have today. On this episode of Career Competitor we have the pleasure of welcoming in Dorothy Enriquez to the show. And this episode is very much for the ladies, and I am so excited for that to be the case. Men, I don't want to lose you at this point because, quite frankly, there is plenty of content in here that you also should be prioritizing and listening to. But Dorothy and I dive into such a wide array of great insights, courtesy of her experience and the work that she's doing today. But three major takeaways I want you to pay attention to here is firstly, the importance of finding like-minded people to surround yourself with. Then we talk about why we can all lead from every seat we find ourselves in. And finally, we get into the topic of accountability and the fact that we have accountability towards ourselves to listen to ourselves. So you can probably notice the diversity across simply those three insights right there. But speaking of accountability, I encourage you to head to beaccountablebefabulous.com to take an accountability quiz courtesy of Dorothy. That information's in the show notes, but I wanted to encourage you to consider heading to that website and learning a little something about yourself and the way in which you are accountable currently within your world. But for now, I'll stop right there because I want to give Dorothy the introduction she certainly deserves. So I won't hold us up a moment longer and let's get right into my discussion with Dorothy Enriquez. And I hope you all enjoy. Hey, before we carry on with this episode, let me bring your attention to a link that you'll find right there in the show notes so that you can subscribe to my monthly email. It's just going to give you some awesome insights on who it is I am, what it is I've got going on, and maybe there'll be one or two food for thoughts in there that can stimulate your process, get you to get a little unstuck, get you to take a little bit more action, and maybe get you a little closer to optimal performance as you start to shape a stronger version of your optimal self go ahead click that link in the show notes so you can become part of the ever-growing email list that's receiving this awesome insight each and every month courtesy of me and courtesy of career competitor now back to the episode Okay, our career competitor today is the CEO and principal consultant of the Elevate Collective, a premier learning and leadership development firm dedicated to cultivating today's team member into tomorrow's Leader, Our guest's mission is to increase female representation in the C-suite by 2% in the next five years. Her client list include notable brands like Nestle, Campbell's, Northwestern Mutual, Kohl's, and Boys and Girls Club, to name a few. Her book, Be Accountable, Be Fabulous, Growth Looks Good on You Girl, I don't think you were anticipating a British guy ever saying that, but here we are, (laughs) is a a humorous self-help book that provides readers with positive energy, relatable stories, and easy-to-understand language, divided into three parts, focusing on work, home life, and family and friends finally a true industry expert in leadership organizational awareness soft skill development diversity and much more i'm so excited to be welcoming into career competitor the incredible dorothy enriquez dorothy how are you
1: lmg i'm awesome that was a very cool introduction
0: well, I'm that people that are worthy of that kind of introduction get that introduction. That's how it works on this show. That's how we, we make sure we bring in the big guns every single time, and I'm excited to be able to do that exactly with you today. So before we start diving into more of your story, the history, maybe even the book as we get further, tell me a little bit about what the typical work the typical work day specifically looks like for you as the CEO there with Elevate Collective.
1: You know, I think one of my favorite things is that every day is different, Um, but at some point in the week, every week, uh, some weeks way more busy than others, we'll be client facing. Someone in this firm is going to be in front of a client at the podium, virtually or in person, igniting the principles that we stand by, really igniting the mission, vision, and values at some point in the week, every single week. This year, I don't think a week has gone by unless it was like a pre-scheduled, you know, vacation or time away where we've not been um, client facing. And so that's been amazing because when we first started, it was not like that. Hmm. You have to grow to that. And so this year has been exciting in that way.
0: Yeah. And I love that you immediately go to that word growth. Because the moment I look into your history, it's filled, jam-packed with it. There's tons of growth there. Clearly, lots of work has gone on behind the scenes, I'm sure. Many long days, many adversities along the way. The typical growth story, if you will. Talk to us a little bit about what you've really learned as the CEO throughout that entire story of growth.
1: Wow. I mean, how much time do you have? Uh Let me think some big lessons that I can share for anyone else who is in the early stages, I would say within the first five years, Mm -hmm. or anyone who's thinking about getting started. A couple of things that I learned the hard way so that you don't have to (laughs) is often when we're starting a business, we're starting it because we're really, really good at what we do whatever it is, whether that's making jewelry, doing hair, doing makeup, making clothes, or you've got these various services that people need, you're solving a problem. But I think that is part of the issue. We're so good at what we do, but we don't know how to run a business, at least not really well. And so I think that that's one big lesson that I've had to learn. I It was imperative if, if I was going to be full time, because I started when I had a nine to five. But if I was going to be full time, I was going to really need to grasp the concept and importance and criticality of being that savvy business owner. Um, so that was one thing. I think the other thing was like, how to make money? <laughs> you're so good at what you do. And for most people, like when you're doing something, your friends start to mirror what you're doing. So usually if you're in corporate, you've got a lot of corporate friends. If you're an actor, you've got a lot of actor friends. If you're a doctor, so on and so forth. So now that I'm a business owner full time and have been for the last five plus years, I have a lot of entrepreneurial friends. And I feel like the other thing that I learned that I have in common with a lot of other folks is that you're so good at what you do that you often, especially for people of color and women, we often undercharge. Because it's so easy. It's so easy for me to do these lashes. It's so easy for me to make this dress that's going to go on the red carpet. And so mm-hmm. we make the mistake of assuming that because it's easy or because it comes naturally, you end up kind of undercharging and living in that basement bottom dollar pricing. Sure. Um, when there's this amazing opportunity for you to be. In that premier space, because everyone cannot do what you can do. And so I think we're so close to the gift and so close to the the talent that we end up accidentally being dismissive thinking, oh, everybody can get up and speak in front of hundreds of people. No, that's actually one of the number one fears in the US people would rather die. Mm-hmm. And then get up and mm-hmm. speak in front of 20 people, yep. let alone hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's another big lesson, just not being dismissive of your your gift, your skill, your talent, your craft. Um, and then I think lastly, uh, from a CEO lens, the other two big lessons would be around building culture and building your team, not feeling compelled to DIY your entire business or YouTube University your entire business Um, and understanding that the best time to start thinking about the culture that you want people to live and thrive and flourish in is when you are by yourself. Start being intentional and deliberate then. And then I think the other big one is just, you know, most of us start a business and we're like, I'm gonna make six figures this year. I'm gonna make a million dollars. And it's like, based on what? Where are you getting these? (laughs) Um, And so really getting strong on the business acumen side again around whatever your goal is, making sure that it is a right goal for where you are and having the processes, the tools and the support in place in order to execute with brilliance and keep your edges and not get gray hair in the process.
0: So what I already love about everything that you just said there is you managed to circle back around and actually land the plane after three or four minutes of talking and sum it up so beautifully in the sense that you touched on at the very beginning there that as you become what you become, you notice that your entire network turns into that as well. And I, I can speak from experience. I'm just finishing year two of my entrepreneurial experience and lo and behold, even with this podcast suddenly my guests have started to become a little bit more entrepreneurial. Like, that's not a coincidence. That's not a coincidence at all. That's happened in the last 12 months. And yeah. as you are talking here, though, is that you, as you're creating that environment of people, that community of people, that group needs to be able to acknowledge your talent, be able to help you see what you may be too close to see. You know, like, that yeah. is powerful that is so important for anyone listening and you can be a ceo a leader of 20 plus years and maybe hearing that for the first time because quite frankly you need to hear that like that is such an important integral part of being competitive when you go out on your own is that you are too close to see what you're incredible at and you do need people to acknowledge that that's so important. And when did you realize that was that was as important as you clearly know it to be today?
1: I would say a couple of years ago, because mm. not right away, though. I would say, sure. so I've been full time for five, I would say about two years in, um, I was being told like, no, you're amazing. This is awesome. I'm like, no, it's not. Or like, <laughs> everyone can do this. And I really had to, I had to spend some time and work through that because I was being very dismissive. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I had a coach who was telling me like, you know, this is how you show up in the world? Like, this is the impact that you're making. I've Mm -hmm. been watching you for years. I've attended similar courses and it was not, you know, as impactful as yours. Um, And even when I had a corporate job, there would be multiple, you know, facilitators and trainers Um, And designers who were doing the same role as me and people would literally come to my session and say, I've attended this session before with someone else who was deemed the best and you are better. Um, (laughs) And so I think it's not being dismissive, but I think it's also, you know, people tell you, you know, like you should be humble or you should, you know, downplay. And I say, no, don't. (laughs) because then you're going to start to believe that you're not that great. And I think you do have to be, you have to have a light dusting of crazy to be an entrepreneur. And there has to be, you have to have that confidence because this is hard. You're Mm -hmm. doing something hard and you're doing something that most people wish they could do, but they know they're not going to, but Mm -hmm. you are that small percentage of people who are willing to kind of stand in the gap and build your own path So it does require some level of confidence. And so dismissiveness of your gift, your skill, your talent, your craft is going to slow you down over the course of what you're trying to build. And so I really had to, you know, get my life together and realize (laughs) I've got this amazing skill and there are things that I can do that other people cannot do. And really being able to sit in that, you know, put some weight on it and say, Mm -hmm. I got, the, I got the juice, I got the magic, I am the magic.
0: I love it. I got the juice, I got the magic, I am the magic. I'm going to hold on to that one. That's good. And, and the something else that you said there that I cannot just go past without acknowledging, you started to talk about the weight of what it is you can actually do, but there's that other word value, right? And you, you talked about that difficulty at first of actually being able to connect a value yeah. because of rightfully so, acknowledging those historical components that you cover both in is being a person of color, being a woman struggling and probably looking at men that aren't of color, that (laughs) saying, well, they're charging what they're charging. And you're hearing some of this feedback that you alluded to when you first step into this, into this environment is saying like, apparently we've had the best, but turns out you're better. And and so make sure you recognize that in your value, in your offerings that, Hey, just by the way, you are worth whatever that person is and some. And don't be afraid to go out there and ask for it. And and, and this allows me to kind of touch a little bit now on the competitor within you because I'm sitting here as an advocate for competitiveness and I'm just feeling competitive energy just flowing through the microphone to me right now into my headphones just to be clear now talk to me about your maybe any competitive personality like what comes to mind when I say hey what what is your competitive personality or what does it look like
1: Ooh, that's good so I think I'm a pretty competitive person always have been I think I'm probably a little too competitive um, (laughs) because growing up, I I just did not, I just like to, I like to win. Mm. Um, I don't particularly like to lose. And so for me, it's, it's been this journey of how do I work smarter, not harder? Um, How can I do it faster? How can I do it cheaper? What does that look like? What does that sound like? And how can I stand out in the marketplace? So the leadership development industry is ginormous. It's a multi-billion dollar industry. So lots of people, you know, are in this space. And so there's a lot of, you know, red ocean territory, if you will, where everyone is playing in that space. And so for me, as I've continued to build the firm, you know, my thought was, well, how are we going to be different? And so three key differentiators for us versus everybody else is the neuroscience piece, the data analytics, and the centering of women. Not that we will only serve women or we will only help women, but every leadership development firm will consider how adults learn. They just will, right? You wouldn't be a good practitioner if you didn't, but not everyone is going to consider how women ascend into leadership, gain power, wield it, maintain it, and share it. And so that's where it becomes different because many organizations have a lot of initiatives present day around creating more equality in that space, more equity in the leadership space within their firms, in the middle, all the way to the top. But most organizations, because that's not their focus, they know how to do that. Mm. And so that's where we're able to stand out, be competitive and shine because that's our focus. We are literally a completely women led organization. That wasn't the plan, but that's how it's worked out up to now. And mm-hmm. so that being our focus and that being something that we can infuse just by nature of our backgrounds and what we've focused on and studied over the years, the research that we've done, I think that allows for a, an impactful competitive advantage. When we're out in the marketplace, trying to serve and be a great culture match for our clients,
0: there is no. It took me all of about three minutes in research to realize that you are a unique entity. Period. You stand out. Like again, and I love hearing this from you, mainly because you know, here I am. I my company is executive coaching based, and so mm-hmm. I, I touch in the leadership development stuff, but I actually stay away from it. I don't try to get into the training area. Per se, Um, I stay in my coaching lane. I'm very happy in it. Uh, But as I hear you talk, it's so important to acknowledge this. Again, anyone who's listened to this, that wherever you are in your career, it's not. It's never me versus you. It's it's how do I stand out? How do how do I be my best self? How do I show up and actually showcase my talents? Where we are going, right back to those talents that you alluded to in the beginning, because. If you are caught up in the day to day me versus you mindset, comparison is always going to lead to a pretty bad ending.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I really love what you said about how, like, you know, you could go into the leadership lane and you choose not to, you're staying in your lane. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a huge call out because I think sometimes we don't want to stay in our lane. Mm -hmm. Um, But whatever lane that each of us is in, that's the lane that is being cultivated for us. Stay in your lane. You don't have to become a Jack or a Jill of all trades. You don't have to. But I think sometimes when we're looking to the left, you know, you're not running your race. You're looking to the left and the right, seeing this person doing 50 million things. Mm. Now you feel like you have to do 50 million things. Um, But your lane is your lane for a reason. Um, I don't, you know, when people step step forward and say like, oh, can you do this? You do training. Can you do Excel and Microsoft? Absolutely not. No, I'm not doing it. I'm sure I could do it. I'm not doing it. I want to stay in my lane. And if it's something that is just far outside of where I like to, you know, rest, I'm not doing it (laughs) because I want to do the things that I'm good at and Mm -hmm. I want to do the things that I'm great at. And I want to continue to cultivate my craft. And I want to love going to work every day. Mm -hmm. If I'm doing a training on Excel, I'm not going to love going to work every day. If I'm doing a training on this thing over here, like, um, you know, compliance based training, I can't do it. I don't want to. And so I think that understanding that, you know, with this like liberatory consciousness, if you will, there's mm. enough room for all of us. There's enough pie for all of us. Right. Even if we did do the same exact thing, there's still enough room because you don't do it how I do it and I don't do it how you do it. And so I think that that gives us permission to really dominate in our own little corner in our own little space.
0: Yeah, I think that is a key ingredient to Excel is, and I'm not talking about the, uh, I'm not talking about Microsoft now, <laughs> Uh, but to in order to Excel, that ability to actually just press pause and say like, I need to do what's right for me and not get caught up in what maybe a client may be looking for in this given moment. And I've got an opportunity to make an extra buck or two off this potential client. Like you can actually say, hey, I know what I do well, and you're already investing in that. So why, if it ain't yeah. broke, don't fix it, right? You know, this is working. Let's stay in this lane.
1: Exactly. That's exactly
0: and, it. So this, I can't help but see a connection here between what we're talking about and a title of a book that is Be Accountable, Be Fabulous. Like a word fabulous is like, boom, it's like right there to be seen. Right. You're not, this isn't something where you live in the gray area. You either, <laughs> you know, you are going to be fabulous. So talk to me a little bit about the, uh, the genesis of the book. I always like to hear like, where did it come from? Where did the I- idea originate?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. So funny enough, um, I wrote that book forever ago. Hmm. I wrote that book about nine, 10 years ago And I wrote the book, it started out kind of as like a journal entry, because I felt like at that time, my life had just basically fallen apart. Everything that I had done, just none of it worked. And so at the time, I had quit my great job, quote unquote, that I had, I'd gotten a promotion, I was making the most money I'd ever made at that time, and I quit my job to pursue my magazine publication full time. So I get rid of my apartment, me and my best friend, we're like, we're going into business together. This is going to be amazing. God told us to do it. We don't need a backup plan. It's going to be great. And so that's that is literally what we did. We moved from Southern California to Northern California to ignite a different audience and really take the publication to the next level. And it failed miserably. So we had no backup plan. We had to move back in with our parents. It was a dumpster fire. I was not paying, my credit card was maxed out. I wasn't paying the bills. I wasn't paying my car note. I was like, where am I going to hide my bingo? Like, where am I going to put her so that they don't try to come and get her? It was a train wreck. And so I'm looking at my life at this time, living in my parents' house in my high school bedroom. I'd never moved back home before, never thought it would happen to me. And I'm looking around like, whose fault is this? This is somebody's fault and it's absolutely not mine. Who could I blame? Like, I'm just going through reviewing people like who could I blame so that I can be mad at them? This is their fault. Why did they let me do this? And everywhere I looked, right, and who I could blame, there I was. I did not want to take any accountability or any responsibility for my condition, (laughs) And so in that and then I had to get a job, even though I told all my friends I was never going to get a job again. (laughs) It was a hot mess, the hottest of messes. And so I'm, you know, at work licking my wounds because now I'm back at work again and thinking to myself, like, how did I get here? This is horrible. Mm -hmm. And I think this is my own doing. You, You can make whatever choice you want you cannot pick the consequences. And when you fail, a lot of what happens next is in how you talk about your failure. Hmm. That's when you open up the possibility for the most transformation. And that is how Be Accountable and Be Fabulous started. And so I wrote a couple pages And it was going to be like a journal entry slash a newsletter because I didn't quit the magazine publication. I just wasn't doing it full time anymore. And then it got a little long. It was a little too long (laughs) to be a magazine article. And I was like, but I have more to say. And then it was too short to be a book. And so I just continued to ask myself, do I want to share the things that I've learned? Because now I'm realizing How important accountability is and accountability is going to be the difference maker as I move forward and figure out, well, what's my next step look like? If I cannot be accountable to Dorothy, I don't know how this is going to work because there's so many areas of facets of our life that require us to be accountable. Mm -hmm. It requires us to have that personal accountability Um, And for us to be able to raise our hand and say, I don't know, I'm not sure I need help. I made a mistake. How do we cultivate that in ourselves, especially when you're a leader, you're going to have to cultivate that in others. And so that's sort of the journey of how the book was born. And then as I shuffled it out for review, it got longer and longer. (laughs) So initially it was one section and then it was like, but what about, you know, relationships? And I was like, Oh, look, fine. <laughs> then it was like, but what about your friends and family? Are you kidding me? And now we have an entire book.
0: There you go. I'd love. Well, firstly, we'll talk afterwards. You and I have a lot in common in our stories of how we got to where we got to. I'm hearing you talking about your dumpster fires. So they sound a lot like my dumpster fire, to be honest. But anyway, here we are.
1: Oh uh, <laughs> well, that is not just me. <laughs> it's,
0: it's it's so much more common than I think either of us appreciate. But anyway, the probably, probably but the. Gosh, there's so much to unpack there uh, in, in, in the sense of just the reason and the need for this message. Like, you know, for for you to see something like it's it's not about the failure. It's about the response to the failure and, and, and to be able to just yeah. see that and say, OK, what do I want to do about acknowledging, as you referenced there, acknowledging that I seem to be the common theme here between all these people that I keep trying to blame? There's this person, yes. there's this person that every single one of those situations has in common and, and oh crap, it's me, you know? And, oh. and, and so like, for me, again, immediately, I relate to that part of it, but, and I think a lot of people listen to this will too, is that they, has probably gone back and they've looked at and tried to address where they've fallen into gaps, where they've had adversities, having to actually get comfortable with that notion of like, gosh, I think it's me. I think I'm the common denominator here across all of these things as to why I keep tripping up almost getting in my own way. And so as you talk about accountability now, I have to assume that that accountability is serving this end goal of becoming fabulous in yourself. So talk to me a little bit about how you're actually implementing accountability today, not necessarily through that journey of how you've gotten to where you are, but how accountability remains a factor in everything that you're doing today.
1: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I think for me, Accountability is something that I think about every day mm-hmm. at some point in the day or you know at some point. And so for me, being accountable as a leader, as a business owner, as a single mom, as all as a friend, as a daughter, as a sibling, accountability comes up in all of those spaces, right? So here at Elevate, we say that you are required to lead from every single seat you sit in. <laughs> and so if you're being accountable to yourself, right, what does that look like? Being accountable to Dorothy looks like taking care of the talent. I am the talent. So if I'm tired, I'm going to go to sleep. If I'm not feeling well, I'm going to take a break. And while that sounds like, oh, everybody does that. Everybody doesn't. I remember I used to need to go to the bathroom and I'd be like, Let's hold it. right? It's fine. It's, I'm not gonna, It's not going to kill me. And so it is this propensity to not listen to your body. Oh, you know, you need to go, but you're not going to go. You're going to hold it because of whatever reason, you know, you're tired, but you're not going to go to sleep because you just got to do this last thing. Well, if you don't shut it down, if you don't hold yourself accountable to listen, your body is going to hold you accountable and you'll be able to do nothing. So what do you prefer? Being accountable for me starts the night before. Like if I want to have a great day, it has to start the day before. And so for me, I, in the, from the sense of being like accountable all over, it's, well, what does a great day look like? If you don't know what you're measuring, how can you say if it's great or not? Mm-hmm. What does the, the best day, the perfect day look like for me? And then being able to calibrate, like, well, what did I do today to get to that? Or not, if I didn't have it, why not? Mm-hmm. And so every day I fill out, you know, a worksheet. It's my productivity worksheet around who do I want to be today? You know, what, you know, what would be like my pitfall? What do I want to stay away from? Which is usually upper limiting, which we all do it, but how can we do it less? You know, what, if I was my best today, what would I do? What are the three big things I need to take care of? And how today will I be productive? How will I make necessity a thing? How will I be courageous? How am I going to be influential? Being able to think through these things the day prior, knowing what's on the calendar the day prior, making sure that I get enough sleep the day prior, mm. because I have long days. Um, and like I said, I have a single mom, so I need sleep to be able to navigate through all of that. And being accountable enough to say, well, if I have two, three bad days in a row, or days that are learning days, and they're not so great, being able to look at, well, what are you doing? If you feel horrible on Wednesday, what did you eat on Sunday and Monday? What do you eat? Mm -hmm. Because that's probably why you're feeling wild and just like not yourself today. And so I think that accountability starts with little things that you can do, even being accountable to your alarm clock. (laughs) Today, I hit snooze three times. Mm. I never hit snooze. Right. And I'm like, OK, well, why am I hitting snooze? Well, because my baby woke me up like five times last night. <laughs> so I'm tired. Is there anything that I can do today or tomorrow to get my energy back so that I can do what I need to do? And so I went to the gym this morning, even though I didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. I really didn't feel like it. I promise. <laughs> um, I promise you I didn't. But when you are accountable, it fuels discipline. And if you're disciplined, what it does is it opens up freedom. For you to be able to really do all the things you've been wanting to do, the things you've been dreaming of, because you've got these two things in place in your leadership practice that speak to how are you showing up in the world so that you can do the things that you really want to do. Mm -hmm. So for me, accountability is all over the place. And in order to be accountable for me. Part of it is maintaining perspective because it's really easy if you have a few bad days in a row to be like, oh, my life sucks. Right. It's horrible, at least for me. And so what I do is I have a win board and every day that I have a win, big, small, personal, professional, I write it down so that, you know, it's August. Right. So if I thought for a second that my life was not that great. I have this big giant whiteboard with all of these wins for the entire year. And it's very clear and evident. Your life does not suck, child. You just having a rough time Mm -hmm. and that's okay, right? right? That's part of the journey. Um, And so frame it as such. Don't make it this holistic, like your life is just miserable. Mm -hmm. No, you're just having a rough time right now. But look at, you literally have a board. Look at that so that you can see how you've been winning, because you're a winner. Mm-hmm. And so what, what are you going to do next? And so for people who are like, I don't have any space for a giant whiteboard, then download the win streak app. It's free. And then you can track your wins every day. And it's going to ask you, well, what do you think your wins are going to be tomorrow? Because a great day starts the day before.
0: You are preaching. You are preaching right now. I mean, again, like as a, as a, as an executive coach, I mean, the, 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 one thing for me that, well, the story, the history of this podcast, which has been so wonderful to enjoy and see evolve is that we started with this notion and it became about quite organically of this optimal self. And it was so, yeah. it was so well received that it actually encouraged me to go ahead and start a business around executive coaching and encourage other people to become yeah. their optimal self. And what you're talking about here is that you're talking about not only that ability to be your best self, but to do it in every seat that you sit in. And that is the power. That is the power of your best self. The optimal self that I right. talk about, leading is your best self, as you like to talk about. You know, these ideals are principles that you can actually build a life around, not just do your job. Like, this is actually something that goes far beyond that nine-to-five time where you are in a specific role. And I love the the importance of looking at that final 30 minutes of your day. It's something I talk about extensively with people because my belief is that we can build momentum. We can have a running start almost into our next day. And that final 30 minutes in the day before gives us that momentum when we wake up, aside from the fact if we have a child that doesn't want to sleep through the night, you know, I can relate to that part of it too. But the the right. the, 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 the fact of the matter is, there's something there that you said there with accountability. Accountability can create and build discipline and discipline is the path to freedom like finding that freedom of self of routine of choice whatever it may be like that is where accountability can eventually get you and so like that it, wow. it, it's so it's so powerful to hear that like you walk through that for us and sort of give us that almost that path if you will to finding freedom as it starts with that day-to-day accountability and um, I'm just, like I said, I'm, I'm just all about it. It's, it's the work that I do now. But hearing you talk to it the way you just did, I like to believe a lot of people listening to this are going to be thinking, this is as clear as I've heard it explained before because this, I'm hearing an ingredient here of accountability unlike ever before. And it's powerful. I'm just telling you that. Like, it's really powerful to hear this.
1: Oh, yeah! <laughs> well, I'm excited. Good. That's good news.
0: Well, one thing I definitely wanted to get onto though as well is that, you as as someone who is operating in the world of leadership, I had this conversation just a couple of weeks ago with a CEO, a male CEO, and his and his female number two. And I sat there, okay. I'm sat there at this desk and we're talking about vulnerability, we're talking about transparency, we're talking about emotional intelligence, all these sort of things that are being very much sought after now in your typical leader. And I look at the CEO, I look at the male, and I say, about 25 to 30 years ago men started to consider how we can incorporate women into roles of leadership. And here we are, 25, 30 years later, and now we have vulnerability, transparency, emotional intelligence, all these things that you very much understand and almost take for granted in incredible women. Now men are being almost insisted, hey, where's your version of this? Where is your version of what these females clearly are able to capture? My point being, Dorothy, is it's about time. It's about time that all of these sort of things are at the table and they are the sought-after leadership qualities that are so powerful. Because the one thing that I've noticed through the work of people like yourself – is that you have brought a human element to leadership. And that, that is so important in the workplace. And I would love for you just to talk to us here. This is probably about the last thing we've got time for, but I'd love to hear from you now just where you now see sort of the state of leadership from the perspective of the woman. Like, What can women now be excited about looking ahead into the future when it comes to leadership?
1: Ooh, that's really good. And so I think, you know, we can be excited about a few things. Number one, it's, it's a topic of discussion when it wasn't before. Like you said, 30 years ago, we weren't talking about this. 20 years ago, we weren't really talking about it. But now, especially for larger organizations, they are implementing a variety of programs for um, women who are high performers and women who are high potentials. And also some organizations are even creating programs for emerging female leaders as well, so that as they begin to make succession planning more of a priority, they can look in-house. And so I think that that's, One of the things that, you know, is important in today's landscape, one of our non-negotiables and our universal truths here is that there's never been a better time to be a leader than right now, because years ago, this was not being thrust to the forefront. But what what business leaders are finding now, whether small business, nonprofit, or corporate, is that when there are women in the highest positions of power within the organization, it actually makes dollars and cents in a variety of ways. And so what we have to look forward to as women leaders who are aspiring into those higher levels or who are already there is that when we're in those positions, vulnerability gets propelled to the top, Mm. right? And so that's part of something that we do well, but relationship and rapport building also gets propelled to the top because women do that naturally. We have this built-in attribute called tend and befriend. And so with the tend and befriend attribute that every woman has, this allows us to not only build rapport and relationship internally, but we can build relationship and rapport externally. That could be clients, that could be customers, that could be other entities that we need to partner with in order to do whatever it is that we have to do associated with this business. But also on a more practical side too, when there are women leaders in the highest levels, number one, what that means is that more women will enter into the company because you want to hire people who look like you. Mm -hmm. And it also means that there's going to be a decrease in sexual harassment cases, And it typically is going to add at least 6% to the bottom line. So there are some things that we absolutely have to look forward to, whether we are there or aspiring and trying to get there. But also for the lady leaders who are trying to decide, do I want to go into this organization or that organization? These are questions that you want to be asking. Do you have programming and programmatic spend for elevating the lady leaders that are currently in place? And what is the plan to ensure that when they get to those higher levels, that they're going to get the support that they need to actually not just survive that next level, but to thrive at that next level? Because... Access without support is still oppression. It cannot be, well, we we got Dorothy to the high level. She just couldn't cut the mustard. So we let her go and we put this male there instead. But how do we make sure that these lady leaders have the support that they need? Great leaders are not born. They are created, cultivated, supported, and developed. So what are you going to do once you get these individuals in place? so that they can thrive and bring more people who literally look like them, more women.
0: I love it. And again, I'm a husband to a wife who has very much done her thing when it comes to getting ahead within her career. I'm now the father to a four-year-old daughter who has pretty much taken over her in die- entire daycare class and is leading yeah. it, Like she's got about so five leading. boys wrapped around her finger she is leading the charge when it comes to what they do and how they do it each and every day exactly. and you know so for me i've i've my heightened awareness to all of this is, has gone through the roof in the last couple of years naturally. But at the same time, it's so encouraging to hear someone as, as yourself who is as involved as you are to speak as you are speaking to yeah. this. So that's exciting. Dorothy, I don't think it would be any any kind of surprise to you to learn that we could I could happily keep talking to you for another 45 minutes another hour whatever it might be i try to keep my episodes around that sort of 40 45 minute mark and we're already pushing that uh you've got me breaking a sweat here as well i'm that into the conversation all all of the things all of these things but they're all great things i'm so appreciative of the time before i let you go where can we learn anything and everything that you think we need to be learning about yourself about the company etc tell us everything we need to know
1: Yes. So for those of you who enjoyed the accountability part of the discussion, you can take the free quiz at BeAccountableBeFabulous.com to find out how accountable you are, and you'll get the free checklist so that you can start, you know, bringing this into your leadership practice and making it a daily practice of what you do to become more accountable. If you want to stay in touch with me, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm Dorothy Enriquez. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, I'm at the Elevate Collective there. And on TikTok, I'm at Dorothy Leeds. So hopefully we'll be able to stay in touch, make some magic. And of course, if you're looking for a leadership development professional, as your organization continues to elevate and add more women to the team, we are definitely a resource for you.
0: Well, that will all be available in the show notes as well. Dorothy, I'm so thankful, appreciative of the time. Please continue to do this incredible work that you're doing and showing up the way you are. We need more voices, more personalities like yourself in this space. So I just appreciate your time, the opportunity, and and certainly appreciate just the generosity of, of insights here today with us on Career Competitor. So thanks again.
1: Oh, my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. This was awesome.
0: All right. There you go. That was great. That was great thanks again for listening to this episode of Korea competitor and before you leave Be sure to take advantage of your free one-time discovery call with me to see how I can be of service to you as a coach or potentially even your team. Depending on what it is you're looking for at this point within your career, I want to be able to serve you with 30 minutes of my time to see how I can be of use to you and help you on your path of continued growth towards your optimal self in order to find optimal performance. Be sure to reach out to me, steve at koreacompetitor.com or just head to the website koreacompetitor.com. I look forward to connecting with you soon and bye for now.